Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Thank you for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Man, a lot to get to today. David, I'll let you choose where we start. Well, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, has COVID. Yes. And I can't, I mean, apparently not feeling any symptoms, but, I mean, they were all around the President of the United States like two days ago when Barack Obama was there. Yes. Everybody's crowded around. No one's wearing a mask. Um, Boy, I think it's time to start calling that thing a super spreader, right? Well, you could. Well, she tested positive for COVID, and she tested negative for a soul. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I'm guessing she also got the fourth shot, right, that booster? Oh, yeah, she's 103. The other one? Yeah. Yeah. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Oh, we went to the Wayback Machine for that one. That was before they said, no, the mandates are a good thing. And then it was, well, we don't know where it's at right now. Okay, whatever. Sorry you got COVID. Hope for the best. Uh, any any other news on that? No, but she I... She did thank uh, the vaccine, as she referred to it as a vaccine, which, of course, it isn't, for her mild symptoms. For her COVID flu shot. Okay. Yes. And, and I'm interested, too, did she thank Donald Trump? Because, after all, he was the one that rolled it out, right? I highly doubt yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of doubt it, too. But highly doubt just it. Just wondering. Man, this is a concerning story uh, that happened to pop up, and I don't see it being covered in a lot of places, but it got our attention. Yeah, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, has sent out a notice to federal, state, and local law enforcement departments all over the country uh, warning about fentanyl-related mass overdose deaths. Now, a mass overdose death is where you have three or more people, or I'm sorry, a mass overdose event is where you have three or more people who overdose in one particular setting. This has happened all over the country, especially in the last couple of years. Um, And right now, I mean, you can connect the dots. The border crisis has resulted in an unprecedented amount of illicit drugs, and specifically fentanyl, coming into this country and poisoning our communities. Um. And so this has never happened before. The DEA has never sent this kind of thing out to everybody saying, hey, just so you know, you know, have that Narcan ready because you're going to have, it's expected, you're going to have mass overdose events all over the country. We've already been setting records. I mean, I, I know I'm stating the obvious here for overdose deaths. And remember, when Trump first brought this up, people were making fun of him. Like, it wasn't a real issue. It's only gotten worse, you know, over time, especially once Biden took over. We got to stop those drugs, though. We got to stop those drugs. Remember how he was mocked? Yeah. Relentlessly about that? Oh, it's so xenophobic. I think that also made it into the song, didn't it? The Trump rap? Bringing drug, bringing drug, bringing, bringing, bringing drugs. That's right. Yes. Forgot about that one. And here we go. And my gosh. We're going to see people flooding through the border unlike we've ever seen before, unless we do something about it, and then we're going to have this on top of it. 
it's that's the thing, right? I mean, we know how we could prevent some of this from coming in. Oh my God! We just sure. don't do it. It's the same thing with the gas prices. We could become energy independent again. It wouldn't even take that long. You're talking months, not years. They won't do it. They want this to happen. Golly. They want green energy. They want mass illegal immigration. Put a mask on, but hey, fentanyl, yeah, come on in. Well, I did like the story about Texas Governor Greg Abbott and what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has announced his new plan to deal with the tens of thousands of migrants already pouring across the border, and that's expected to ramp up as Title 42 ends next month. To help local officials whose communities are being overwhelmed by hordes of illegal immigrants who are being dropped off by the Biden administration, Texas is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C. Yes. Yep. We are sending them to the United States Capitol, where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. God, I love that. And what are they going to do once they get to D.C.? We'll see. Oh, yeah. I guess they'll have to pay for the planes there to send them, you know, where we're at in the United States. But it's certainly going to be proving a point. Yeah. Well, I've seen the criticism, and it's very predictable, the criticism. You're playing political games with people's lives. These are real people and all this stuff. Listen, have you ever seen the video coming out of, I don't know, the Greyhound bus station in downtown San Antonio where you got thousands of people who are just, like, milling around and then put on buses and sent off to God knows where? I have. Biden's been playing these political games with human beings affecting American citizens for more than a year now. So spare me the fake outrage, okay? For what cartels are doing to women to make it across the border? Talking about playing political games with people's lives? Give me a freaking break. Look in the mirror. We're supposed to uphold the law. You can't come into the country illegally. People have been brainwashed over time to think that's somehow hateful to have borders. It's insanity. I'm glad that Abbott's doing that. Step in the right direction. Um, Update on Hunter Biden's laptop. As we know, it was real. We knew this a year and a half ago. And as you probably know, the failing New York Times decided, well, we got to report on this. And then it was the Washington Post, and now it's other outlets. And my belief is because the indictment on Hunter Biden's coming down in Delaware. And maybe it's just tax evasion. Maybe it's more. It, It seems like something else is going on now especially when CBS is doing a report, a special investigation. Mm -hmm. That means legacy media, who has been protecting Biden, helped him get elected, are now turning. I don't know if that's because it's somehow forced. I don't know what the play is, but this was at least surprising to me. I'll just play you parts of the report from later yesterday. CBS News has learned that more than 150 transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for further review. Whoa! So it's Hunter and James, the brother. Okay. Again, this was in the laptop, all the communications. So now CBS who again was calling this Russian disinformation a year and a half ago, now is on the beat. 
and seemed to know some details. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. This is the way it is. After a nearly three-year investigation, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley told CBS News he believes the president's younger brother, James, was instrumental in Hunter Biden's Chinese business ventures. I think James Biden was very much a part of this. James Biden has worked as an entrepreneur and recently in the healthcare industry. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I'll healthcare. bet he has. You yeah. know what he's been doing in the healthcare industry is he's been going to medical association like uh, galas and whatnot um, and telling people, hey, get in uh, on my contracting services because my brother, and this was during the campaign, my brother very likely will be president. So, you know, get in my good graces and I can help sort of grease the wheels for you. Yes. And, of course, part of this also involves Tony Bobulinski, who came out and talked about this. This was before the election, 2020 in October, which, again, legacy media did not want to pay attention to at all. And now we have this reporting. We will focus on James Biden. The president's brother. This week, Grassley released bank records indicating James Biden's company, the Lion Hall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese financed consulting firm. These records come directly from the banks, no third party. You're absolutely right. Yes. And I know the talking point now is, well, that's Hunter and that's James. That has nothing to do with Joe. Really? Remember the good old days when Roger... Who was the big guy? Right. Well, it was him. Yes. Hunter Biden is paying for repairs at Joe's house. Well, yeah. I mean, you can see easily where the money was going. So I don't know what the play is right now. Has the left turned on Biden and they want him out? They realize this can't be sustained with him. I mean, daily deteriorating. I don't know. But it's coming down. Remember the good old days when a brother of Bill Clinton traded on his name to book himself for his cover band? That's little pity. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yep. That and Billy Beer. Yep. I mean, that just seems innocuous at this point, doesn't it? But we knew this before the election. Well, of course no we did. No one was did. interested. Oh, my gosh. Well, and here is a great example of that, David. Oh, yeah. It just came out yesterday. Ann Applebaum uh, is a writer with The Atlantic. Uh, she provided, during the Trump administration, such commentary as, we have presidential children who are using their father's prestige to make money. Talking about the... <laughs> Trump children. But when it comes to Hunter Biden, she still doesn't care. This is an appearance at the University of Chicago with former Obama advisor David Axelrod. uh, And a freshman student asked about the Hunter Biden story, specifically, hey, how do we avoid labeling truth as disinformation? And again, this is, you know, the ultimate prize winning journalist here. Yeah. I, my, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is I think it's totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So, well, then you're a hack. Oh, yeah, you're a bad journalist. Then you're not at all somehow curious if it links to the guy that could be president, really? I, I didn't find. I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that that would be my yeah, problem with the, that as a as a major news story. You don't find it interesting? Then you suck at your job. You should find something else to do. Uh, we're going to talk about more of this uh, tomorrow in our first uh, panel. So stand by. 
Um, and I, I think we have run out of time. Really, <laughs> we're David? out of time here. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move along. Wow. Okay. No, I, I've noticed a few people have a little more spring in their step today. David, do you think there's a reason for this? Well, I, I think that you've got a lot of distractions coming out, specifically in the sports world. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, opening nice. day, the Masters. If you're into golf, yes, I love that. All of a sudden. I can see it in Robin's eyes, the betting juices. He's feeling it. He's starting to think about it. You're only 40 down. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways we could go. We could go baseball teams. Who's going to finish ahead of who? Who's going to make the cut at the Masters? Be thinking about it. Are you ready to go in on Tiger finishing the top 20 this week? Top 20? Yeah, you want to go top 20? Oh, man. I don't know. Or, or, you know, two to one odds on a top 10? we got plenty of time for the show. You don't win if you don't bet, Scott. (laughs) No, he didn't. Fauci did not blame Trump for COVID deaths again, did he? All right, we'll get to that much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A little laughter, a little joy. Yeah. And then here comes Rain Cloud Van Camp to tick everybody off with audio of Fauci. Uh, yeah, Dr. Fauci sat down with Chris Wallace, the angry duckling, <laughs> formerly of Fox News, now with CNN Plus. Uh, and Chris Wallace is embracing the culture of CNN for sure because uh, he was asking Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, do you think that Donald Trump is a big meanie who's responsible for every single COVID death? Listen, I just want to play the question. I know we don't do this all the time, but just here's the setup from one Chris Wallace. Okay. If the government had been smarter right from the start in March of 2020 in dealing with this, less, and, and I would say over the course of the two years, both under President Trump and to some degree under President Biden, less hmm. politics more public health, could we have had a lot fewer deaths? Some degree under Joe Biden. And I just want to remind people, more people died in the first term of Joe Biden's presidency or the first year of Joe Biden's presidency than the last year of Donald Trump's presidency when the pandemic began. And Joe Biden had the vaccines, had everything kind of in place. And more people died. Is that all Joe Biden's fault? No, of course not. The president can't control a virus. It's not possible. But Joe Biden shut down the virus. Joe Biden claimed he could and he failed at that. And you want to talk about politicizing a virus. This is is the guy who was saying we're losing patience with you, you dirty, unvaccinated people. This is the guy who is embracing firing people for not getting this vaccine, even after it was clear the vaccine wasn't doing what they told us it would do. Yes, and said if Trump did his job, no one would have died. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Fauci, of course, says, yes, I do believe that, you know, Trump is to blame for this. For example, when we were trying to lock down, if you use that word, that's a, a very charged word for some people. Uh, remember, when we were trying to get the 15-day and then the 30-day extension during the Trump administration, 
and yet he was coming out right after we came out and I said with Dr. Burks, let's do the 1530 day, he would get up and say, you know, liberate Virginia, liberate Michigan, which was just completely contrary and antithetical with what we were trying to do. But if we had really locked down, we probably wouldn't have lost a lot of people early on. But Oh, my gosh. Gosh, you haven't, dang. You haven't done enough destruction to people just, over the last couple of years. Gosh. You think if we just would have locked him down more? Yeah. Really? The ego on that guy. And you think about the nursing home deaths oh. in New York, and you're out there spewing that BS, that lion's sack. We would still, and, and in fairness to all the parties involved, be it the Trump administration and the Biden okay. administration, when you get a virus as nasty as this, you're going to lose a lot of people no matter how good you Do you think we are. might have avoided that there were hundreds of thousands yeah. of deaths that were preventable? Yeah, again, it's oh really gosh. tough, Chris, to, to quantitate it because you do. It's a headline. You know what would have made it preventable? Do Not doing gain-of-function <laughs> research in Wuhan, China. Fauci, which you funded because you want to be a rock star. Didn't quite get the rock star status with AIDS the way you wanted to. So you wanted it with this. Gosh dang, man. I can't wait for all this to come out at some point in time. All right. I'm not going to allow you to steal my joy today, Fauci. Or you, David. I see you setting the little traps for us. Uh-huh. Jeez. Doesn't it, am I the only one oh, that gets no. angry just no, hearing that no, guy no. lie after lie? And then Chris Wallace, a journalist, he's going to put him on and give him a voice still. We're still not talking Please. about the consequences of his rule. Yes. And the fact that he's an unelected health. bureaucrat who yes. ran the country. He's a millionaire. Look at, follow the friggin' money. Do some reporting on that, Chris. Find out how much money that guy's worth and where he got all the money. On a different note, you know, we've talked about teens. And a mental health crisis, a lot of that because of COVID. Yes. Before that, the big fear was cell phone use, smartphones, glued to your phone all the time. Dude, zookeepers at Chicago's Lincoln Park Zoo are concerned about a teenage gorilla who is obsessed with looking at visitors' phones through the glass. They're like, oh, my gosh, he's so distractible. All he wants to do now is look at people's phones through the glass because they show him videos. Golly. He's on TikTok. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Biden corruption, the White House says it, it doesn't matter. We'll get to that and much more coming up. Van Camp and Robert Show. Our Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, the Millennium, David Van Camp, the Sexy Boomer with the Cubs hat, Scott Roberts. Opening day, baby. More on that in a minute. Uh, corruption, eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, why not? Uh, there's more and more reporting about Hunter Biden and how it relates to his dad, you know, the President of the United States. Uh, Hunter Biden, as we know, ran around the world making business deals with corrupt government officials. I mean, and that's not just, that. that's not at all playing fast and loose with the facts to make a point, right? That That's actually true. One of the guys that he was dealing with in China has literally been sentenced to prison time for trying to bribe public officials. 
Yes. That so he was doing business with corrupt government linked individuals. Um and his dad was at least somewhat involved and at worst getting a financial cut. We don't know all of the details of that, but there is suggestion that he was getting a cut of the action from Hunter Biden and Joe's brother James. Ten percent. Yes. Uh, Joe has denied he knew anything about what his son was doing. Don't know. There's a there's a very big wall between what Hunter Biden's doing and what Joe Biden's doing. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. Except in one case, he wrote a letter of recommendation for the son of a Chinese business partner of Hunter. And also, Joe was mentioned by Hunter as an office mate to a landlord. They were renting out some office space, and he writes the landlord saying, hey, can you make sure that we get keys for Joe? They're my office. He's my office mate. Him and Dr. Joe. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, we know all of this. I don't know how they're going to play that in the end. Well, here's how they're going to play it. Peter Ducey from Fox News asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki about this, and there's a big tell at the end of this audio. Okay. I have, I've seen the report. I have no confirmation or comments on a report about whether or not the president, when he was a private citizen, wrote a college recommendation letter for an individual. I, a college recommendation letter, though, from, uh, at the time, a former vice president would be a big deal. So do we know what the president might have gotten in return for doing a favor like that? Again, I have no a confirmation of any recommendation letter the president wrote when he was a private citizen, by the way, not uh, serving in public office. That's even the report. But he's the president now, and you're his spokesperson. Correct. And he was not the president at the time of this report. Uh, so there's evidence... That's incredible, by the way. Well, he wasn't president, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, then grab him by the... Didn't really matter either then, right? By that logic, yes. Absolutely. Okay. So there's evidence that the president at one point was office mates with Hunter and his brother Jim here in D.C. It's not accurate. That is not accurate. So when Hunter Biden is emailing a landlord, uh, please have keys made available for new office mates, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden, that you're disputing. They were not office mates, no. Oh, they were not. Key just in case. They were not office mates. Is Very code key. for something? <laughs> right. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like a tell or am I just crazy here? No. Yes. No. That you're you're you're, you're denying you're denying one thing that by a strict interpretation is probably true. Right. They they weren't, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't carpooling to the office every day. Right. They weren't technically office mates, but something there was an arrangement. Yes. I mean, this is going to go, you know, down to the Air Force Two trip to China. And then a week later, well, there's this huge deal with Hunter and his business with China. Just a coincidence. Same way when Joe got put in charge of Ukraine. Oh, Burisma. Here's millions of dollars for Hunter. No big deal. I mean, what's Joe going to say? I got to guess. You want to hear it? Yeah, I do. Well, I'll I'll let Trump deliver what I think he's going to say. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, boy, I don't remember that. Mm-mm. Don't remember. And in Joe's current state, you'd believe it. Or at least some people would. Well, it might be true. I mean, seriously, senility is the ultimate form of plausible deniability. I'm not joking. I would not be surprised at all if that's the way it goes. That, oh, boy, I, oof, I, I don't remember that. One nation, end of his wonder God, for real. I mean, he can't remember that. Business deals, what? Huh? what? No idea how that happened. Uh, meanwhile, we're still trying to figure out 
Can you define what a man is? Can you define what a woman is? Are you looking at me? We're going to have somebody on the Supreme Court that can't quite define what a woman is. Well, pretty much everybody I know can. Well, well, in fairness, I mean, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, she's not a biologist, okay? You know, that's what she She knows that she is a woman. Right. But the definition, she's not a biologist. She can't do it. So that question got used in a different sort of way, David. Yeah, a little bit. So Javier Becerra is the guy who runs Health and Human Services. Uh, Joe Biden very famously called him Javier Bacaria. And every time I see his name, I read it as Bacaria. (laughs) I have to, like, catch myself. No, it's it's Javier Becerra. It's so funny you say that because I do the same thing. Well, and then what (laughs) happened... You started singing it one day, and then every time I hear it, then I think of the Macarena, and it's Macaria, Macaria, Macaria. That bum bum bum. Yes, you got that right. Javier Macaria. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that guy. He can't even remember how to say his name. That was early on when he was clear. <laughs> so that's the guy who runs Health and Human Services. He is all in on mangling children's genitals in the name of wokeness, and is cool with using your money to do it, using tax dollars to. Uh, have gender reassignment surgery for minors. Yes. Uh, during a hearing yesterday, Republican Representative Lauren Boebert asked him to define something pretty simple here. Okay. Secretary of Health and Human Services, can you define for this committee what is a man? You're looking at one. Great. So you Whoa. are a man. I like that. Can you tell a time me... Out. Bakaria's like, wait a minute, are you, are, you, are you flirting with me? Is this happening right now? You want to know what a man is? You're looking at one. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think there is Bobert? So you are a man. I like that. Well. Can you tell me, can men get pregnant? Whoa. Uh, unless you know something I don't, uh, I think the answer is pretty obvious. What is that answer, sir? I'm asking you, is there something you know that I don't know that would... Just answer and say no. Golly. If you're a man, then you just answer the question like a freaking man. Say that a man... Well, I'm asking what you know. Can men get pregnant? I'm not aware of it. Okay. Well, uh, Mr. Secretary, materials coming from your department, you've referred to mothers as as birthing persons, replacing that title with... Are, Are mothers not persons? Mothers are persons, but it seems to be more inclusive, like you're trying to include another gender in that. I'm all about inclusion, Congresswoman. There you go. There you go. That tells you everything. Uh-huh. It also tells me. You're looking at one? I don't think so. I think it's in question now. Very manly. Mm-hmm. Seems like you've been emasculated from telling the truth. Somehow, some way. Maybe just not saying anymore. Not quite sure. Um. Can you give me an example, Mr. Bakaria, of a man getting pregnant? Hmm. I'm guessing no, because it doesn't happen. What a farce this is. My goodness, man. All right, we got to move on. Javier Bakaria. Yeah, I know. I know who it was. Yes. Um, Just so you know, if you happen to be white, um, it's racist to ask about BLM's uh, finances. Oh no, it's not. It, Stand down, Whitey. It's, no, it's not even if you're if you're white. Even if you're black, it's racist. So what we, we talked about this story this week. Isn't uh, that silencing black voices? No, not in this case. So Black oh. Lives Matter. There's more scrutiny going on over their finances because 
now it's been reported uh, by New York Magazine, of all places. Not exactly far right or anything like that. I mean, very friendly to groups like Black Lives Matter historically. But in this case, a reporter dig, did some digging and found, hey, wait a minute, there are even more questions about where all these donations went. And in fact, what it looks like is they bought a $6 million piece of property in, in California mm-hmm. and used a shell company basically to uh, launder it to the organization. And they were not up front. They were trying to hide where these finance, uh, where these financial transactions were taking place and for what purpose. And so, yeah, obviously, you've got the IRS potentially involved in this. You've got multiple states, not only California, but Washington, and there are a few others investigating Black Lives Matter and telling them, hey, you can't raise money in this state anymore because we don't know where that money's going and how it's being used. That's stand down, racist. We do with our money what we want. Now, the reporter for this particular story is a guy named Sean Kevin Campbell. Now, he's black, which makes this kind of hilarious from Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors. Put out a statement on social media saying yesterday's article in New York Magazine is a despicable abuse of a platform that's intended to provide truthful information to the public. Journalism is supposed to mitigate harm and inform our communities. Mitigate. Is it really, though? Mitigate harm? I don't I don't think that's Doesn't actually part of the creed here. So, no. Uh, it was also racist and sexist to ask questions about where those millions of dollars are going that were raised by Black Lives Matter. She went on well, to usually say, they're not that open with the rules of the left right. to just say, hey, you ever try to come after us for anything? It's sexist and racist. Might even be transphobic. I don't think there's any trans people involved in this story, but it might be transphobic, too. Right. Just saying. She writes that a reputable publication would allow a reporter with a proven and very public bias against me and other black leaders to write a piece filled with misinformation, innuendo, and incendiary opinions is disheartening and unacceptable. It's dangerous. We should all be trying to stop it, interrupt it, protest it. Okay, so even though you have a black man reporting on this and asking the questions, right? If you're BLM, you look at that person because of his questions and say you're actually a tool for white supremacy. Yes. I guess. Isn't it when any black conservative or black person calls into question something with BLM, that's a sign of white supremacy? Or if I missed that, that is the deal, right? That's what they've claimed before, yes. I think that's another case of this. Very important. It's funny that she's on the ropes like this, though. Oh, it's hilarious. Just saying, like, you're putting me in danger. Really? Come on. The whole thing's a total scam. We've known it for a while. And, I mean, it's some would say it's Marxist. Or you could go a step further and say it's Maoist. I mean, Patrice Colors. Mao was like a hero. No joke. No, no. It used to be right on the BLM front page of their website. I can remember we were like three, four weeks into the riots and reading about that. And I went to the site myself and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they are about dismantling the nuclear family. Like moms, dads, family together. That's part of the mission of BLM. Dismantle it. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars here. Oh, yeah. Millions and millions of dollars that willfully were given over by feckless corporations and even yep. more feckless politicians. Oh, yeah. This was going on. Now, imagine, if you will, Samaritan's Purse. 
They find out that they, you know, imagine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They'd be, they would be yeah. all be in prison tomorrow. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. The double standard is absolutely unbelievable. These, and, and by the way, does she not think people are going to go, gee, that's weird. You bought a $6 million house. How, how did that happen? Well, and then they say it's okay. You've got BLM leaders. They need a place to go because of the threats that are coming down on them. This is a safe place for them. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which, did you see the pictures of this place, by the way? Of course I did. It was like six million bucks, and it looked like two million more in renovations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Holy smokes. What a bunch of suckers that gave to that. Yeah, just wrote checks. No idea where the money was going, but they felt good about themselves, patted themselves on the back because they're doing something. Oh, my gosh. I I said it's like putting the uh, lamb's blood over your door on Passover. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Well, it was that, or you had, you know, young, out-of-shape Caucasian girls with signs giving money to this. Do they feel duped now? Uh, gee, I guess we got played for idiots. <laughs> well, yes, you did. Yeah. Believed all that BS. Okay. Today's opening day of baseball. Yay. Good deal. Uh, you're a huge baseball fan. Love. A lot of people Love looking this. forward. Yeah. To just a little diversion. Mm-hmm. It's also opening day of the Masters. There was an interesting stat that 46% of fans root for the Major League Baseball team closest to where they grew up. Yeah, usually. I'm guessing that's true. Yeah. That means more than half don't. Well, I think that's the evolution of cable. I mean, I've said that a hunt for a long time now. I mean, generally speaking, the only teams you ever saw on television on a regular basis were your hometown teams. Now you could be a fan of any team and watch every one of their games. Oh, that's true. It's also America. You get to choose. And if you grew up where I did, do you have to be a Cubs fan? You don't have to. Saddled with that loser. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Come on. Okay. New York Times editor tells reporters, you need to turn off Twitter for a while. It doesn't go well. Next. Robin Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. What's the deal with this story, David? New York Times editor told the reporters, turn off Twitter? Yeah. It's, it's like pro- a lifeblood to these people. That's probably the best advice that a lot of journalists could get right now. Twitter well, is think- warping. Yes, they think it's the real world. Yes. But Dean Baquet, the executive editor of the New York Times, sent out Notice saying, for some time I've been hearing serious concerns from newsroom colleagues about the challenges that Twitter presents. We can rely too much on Twitter as a reporting or feedback tool, which is especially harmful to our journalism when our feeds become echo chambers. We can be overly focused on how Twitter will react to our work. To the detriment of our mission and independence, we can make the off-the-cuff responses that damage our journalistic reputations. Too late for that, bro, <laughs> but on. all right. <laughs> and for too many of you, your experience of Twitter is shaped by harassment and attacks. So also protecting them. Yeah. Got it. Okay, knowing <laughs> you were going to go into this story, I just put up Twitter. And I was going to prove the point that it's just poison. Stay away. Then I shot myself in the foot because I saw something that was very entertaining. I got to admit it. 
We just talked a little while ago that it's opening day, and mm-hmm. a picture pops up, and it just says the best jerseys I've seen so far. And it is pretty cool. This is in St. Louis. It's It looks like a husband and wife. He's got a Cardinal jersey on with the number 99. She has a jersey on that's number one. His name on the back is Problems, and hers is Ain't. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. That's good. I like problems, that. But a ain't ain't one. one. Yeah, that's... The rest of Twitter is a sewer. But that one picture <laughs> is good. Okay, this is the Marky Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David. Who got COVID? Oh, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, no. Tested positive. The Speaker of the House tested positive. Uh, Apparently is not feeling any symptoms. However, we have been assured by the CDC that, well, apparently they they don't consider her to be a close contact with President Biden. They were like two feet away from one one another uh, two days ago. Hmm. But all is well. Got it. Okay. I think Bono wrote a song about it. I'm going to be reading a, a poem <laughs> written by Bono. Right. You know what I, I can't get out of my head right now? What's that? Is the absolute media meltdown when Donald Trump got COVID and then when he was released and went back to the White House, presumably still positive, and he did that photo op where he was standing alone on a balcony without yeah. a mask on. And people were freaked about it. Absolutely. They were putting others at risk. You're the super spreader. At God. Well, apparently, Pelosi, too. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if, I don't know. This is a new variant. She tested uh, positive for the vodka martini variant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, so she'll, she'll be fine. It'll wear off in a few days. You know, when she gets up there when this is over and speaks and has a heck of a time getting through a sentence. Uh-huh. I wonder if we're going to hear the reports. Maybe it's long COVID. Right. No, it's been this way for a while, actually. Remember? Maybe if you already have it and you get COVID, it reverses it. It's like if you got foggy brain syndrome like Joe does and he got it, maybe you go back to it would reverse it. But you wouldn't thank a person like George Floyd for dying as Nancy did? Maybe. Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank you, George Floyd. <laughs> For sacrificing your life for justice. Right. For being there to call out to your mom. How how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. For being there to do that. Thank you. Because that was the plan early that morning in George Floyd's life. George, I I, I wouldn't go past that fake 20 in there if I were you. Mm -mm. It's okay, my son. It has been written. You know, Nancy's a fat shamer, too. What? She's a fat shamer. She is? 
Heck yeah, remember? I don't remember this. Well, Trump was talking about what he was taking when he had COVID. Yeah. Like Joe Rogan throwing the kitchen sink at it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That was what he heard from doctors. He was taking the advice. But it was, oh, it's, it's against what everybody is saying you should do in the FDA and everything else. And then she called him morbidly obese. Oh, see, Remember? Uh, by the scientists, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, but is morbidly obese, they say. They say. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine just for a second? No. If that's a Republican senator. Oh, gosh. Well, she was morbidly obese, too. Oh, oh my God. Well, you don't have to imagine. Remember when. That that old audio of Donald Trump saying, well, she had a, what was it? She gained a massive amount of weight talking about like a Miss Universe or USA, whatever pageant he had overseen. Yes. <laughs> totally remember it. He said, yeah, she had gained a massive amount of weight. It was a real problem. We had to get her to lose some weight. Yes. I remember, I'll never forget it, David. Scott was still in the hospital. Yeah. The heart attacks. We're talking about that story. And we got a call from a lady who had been in beauty pageants. Yeah. And said, yeah, that's part of the deal. You can't gain weight. After you win, you're out making appearances. I mean, it, it it's pretty strict. And they bring that lady out to go on the campaign trail, both barrels against Donald Trump. They call yes, me Miss yeah. Piggy. And Miss eating, eating machine. Miss eating machine. Yes, that's right. She gained a massive amount of weight. It was a real problem. <laughs> oh, he was obliterated. For that, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Okay, moving on to other things. Um, Biden, Biden is giving illegal immigrants what now? Smartphones? Oh, smartphones, yeah. The Biden administration has decided they're going to hand illegal immigrants smartphones when they cross the border. The idea is that they'll use the phones to check in with immigration authorities when they get to wherever oh, they're Oh, come going. on, man. <laughs> Who is selling that? Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, that's... I'm going to give you this phone, and the idea is this allows you to check in yeah. with immigration. Yeah, and, and oh, they can, for crying out loud! And they can track you, you know, sort of like how if you have an iPhone, you've got the Find My app that you can, oh, you know, gosh. locate family members or wherever whoever is on your uh, on your list. Yeah, so so they say, yeah, this is like this is the, the obviously the the thing that needs to happen, right? So Peter Ducey from Fox News asked the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, about this. The smugness from Psaki is really something. Which part of that is supposed to deter people from crossing illegally into the states? Well, I I think you of all people, since you've asked me a range of questions on this topic over time, would recognize that we need to take steps to ensure that we know where individuals are and we can track and and we can check in with them. With the telephonic, though, any concern by folks around here that these migrants will take the phones and just toss them? Do you have a record of people throwing phones Uh, away? I'm just asking if that's a concern. Our concern is ensuring that individuals who uh, irregularly migrate to the United States uh, proceed through uh, our process of, uh, you know, of course, oh, yes. being monitored, but also participating in uh, in uh, pro- in, uh, in hearings uh, to determine whether or not they will be able to stay. <laughs> God, my head hurts. I, I know. It's unreal. So. They can play words with friends with their immigration people so they know where they are. I don't yes. understand any of this anymore. 
Yeah. yeah the, uh, well, it's all to keep. We're track, handing people see. phones and yeah. saying, "Here you go." Yeah. Well, I don't know exactly what caused it. I'm thinking maybe Biden looking at Obama saying, "Man, I want to be more like him." There was the Obama phone. Remember? Obama phone. Right. Oh, yeah. So how about the Biden phone? We could just right. call it the Biden phone to compete because the phones now are much nicer than Obama phone. Right. That whole Obama phone thing, where did that come from? Oh, there was they were talking to different people who they were going to vote for. Right. Yeah. At the time, this was 2012, the election. And a voter said she got a phone from Obama. But Mitt Romney, not going to give him anything. And was it Mitt Romney sucks? Yeah. Is Romney that how that bit sucks. Oh, we have it. It's 22 seconds. That's oh, worth it. Yeah, oh, sure. I think this was pretty good. Okay, what's wrong with Romney again? Romney, he sucks. Yes, this is freaking great. Oh, I haven't heard it forever. He sucks. Hey. Obama. You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland, no minority, got Obama phone. Got Keep Obama phone. in president, you know? He what? gave us a phone. He gave you, you a phone. Do more. How do he give you a phone? You, you sign up and you're in, you on full stamps, you on social security, you got low income, you disability. Yes. Mitt <laughs> Romney sucks. But she's right about one thing. Oh, yeah. Romney, he sucks. I agree. I totally agree with that. <laughs> wow. So Biden phone, that's the new thing, see? Got to love everybody. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Housing, food, shelter, education, and a phone. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why people want to come here. Well, I don't know, but Kamala's still working on the root causes. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Okay, root causes. That's the focus. Once we get a hold of that and get the answer to that, then that's going to help us stop people from coming through. do, Do you think the root causes thing is just a talking point, which I tend to think it is, or are they actually earnest about that? Like like they go out to a shed out back, and it's like a beautiful mind, right? They've just got all these numbers plastered <laughs> on the wall, and they're they're taking bits of string and connecting some numbers to another one. Like they're really trying to crack the code. Maybe if we gave people phones, that would keep people away. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> The root causes thing of following politics for as long as we have is right up there in the top five. Of like, really? No one's buying this. I mean, nobody. We no. just got to get to the root causes of why people want to come here. Goodness gracious. Uh, we're told, hey, we can't start, you know, producing our own gas again to lower gas prices. We got to go green. We're going to destroy the planet. We got to be the leader. So you should be thankful to pay five dollars a gallon at minimum four dollars a gallon maybe up to seven dollars a gallon of gas okay because we got to be the leader when it comes to green forget for a second that we've killed 150 eagles with uh well windmills and stuff did you see the wind energy company had to pay eight million dollars that's the fine yeah for killing 150 bald eagles Jeez. why do they hate the american eagle why just asking the question. Why do they hate bald things? <laughs> That's another very good question. Um, CDC trying to figure out the root causes of depression in teens. 
Um, maybe they're going to figure out they caused it with what they did with the pandemic and the lockdowns. Yeah. Talked briefly about a piece on females yesterday, David. And this story is very much about what's happened to teens over the last couple of years. And it's an epidemic when it comes to depression. If they would actually work on some root causes there and what caused it, as the CDC is trying to undergo right now an investigation and really look to improve the department. But they also said they don't expect any big changes coming. Yeah. That's what they said. Did you hear who's investigating? It's not somebody from the outside. It's basically one of their own. So that's, hey, we're going to have an internal investigation with sort of our own people. Yeah. To make it seem like we're going to hold some people accountable here and we're really going to look in the mirror to try to improve ourselves. There's nothing that's going to change there. That's all part of it. Um, Something else making the rounds real quick. Did anybody see the teenage French tennis player slap their opponent after the loss? I did. Taking a page out of the Will Smith book. Okay. I'm not always one quick to say, hey, you see something on TV, and then a kid's just going to sort of act that out. I mean, there's personal responsibility involved. There's parenting involved, all that stuff. But it was really something as this, well, the kid was ranked number one. He loses. They're going to, you know, in court there at the net to shake hands. He shakes his hand with the right and then slaps him with the left. He's just a spoiled brat. Yes. It's country club sports, you know. But that didn't happen before the old slap the other day. We would have no. seen it. That's that's something that makes the rounds. I couldn't help but think, was that some sort of inspiration? Will Smith was slapping before slapping was cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, if it's Sunday at the Masters and Tiger makes a big putt, somebody comes and slaps him, then you'll know this is an epidemic. It's on. This is crazy. Okay. Big question with Republicans. Is Trump going to run? Is DeSantis going to run? Are they going to run against each other? Trump spoke about this. We'll get to that much more coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Thank you for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Where is this story going to go? Be interesting to see. Yeah. Is it going to be Trump and DeSantis both running? That's the question, oh, isn't boy. it? So uh, Donald Trump did an interview with the Washington Post, and he talked a little bit about the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. You know, if Donald Trump doesn't run for the 2024 election, the odds on favorite right now is Ron DeSantis. Yes. So in this interview... Uh, as as it's written up in the Washington Post, uh, other Republicans are way behind where uh, Ron DeSantis is. Um, none of them have ruled out challenging Donald Trump, though. So Donald Trump said, if I ran, I can't imagine they'd want to run. Some out of loyalty would have a hard time running. I think that most of those people, you know, guys like uh, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Most of those guys, almost every name you mentioned, is there because of me. In some cases, because I backed them and endorsed them. You know, Ron was at 3%, and the day I endorsed him, he won the race. Asked if he thought he made DeSantis, Trump said he knew he did. Because as soon as I endorsed him, the race was over. 
little bit of revisionist history there, but mm-hmm. but all right, David. Well, I mean, Trump helped greatly, but I mean, the idea that it was just Trump's endorsement, nah, not really. But uh, Trump admitted though that he considers DeSantis a good governor, uh, and he said, "Hey, look, I got a good relationship with Ron." I have a good relationship with all the names you mentioned. Why would they run against me? I doubt they would run against me. I doubt it. Hmm. What do you make of that, Scott? I don't know what to make of that. Um, and is there a solid point that he backing DeSantis certainly helped him? I don't know, man. I, I, I get, I'll be totally honest. I get really, really nervous about the talk of Trump running against Scott. I just do. I'm sorry. <laughs> It just makes me, because I think it's so vital that we get rid of these scumbags that are currently occupying the White House. Yeah, you got to win. And that party needs to be put down that you got to win. You're right. you got to win. What? Who do I think has the best chance? I mean, God love you and for what you did, and, and uh, I hope you can get on the campaign trail and campaign for the person and throw your support behind them. That would be great if they want it. But, man, dude. Yeah. Well... I've seen the polling both Scott? ways. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I uh, Listen, I'm sorry I feel that way, but I do. Listen, the polling has gone both ways. I've seen it. Where against a Democrat, Trump would lose. But just recently, I saw that poll had flipped. Well, yeah. That he would win. You know, before it was DeSantis would have a harder time winning the primary, but if he won it, he would definitely win in the general. And if you go to the odds right now of who's going to be the next president, I hadn't looked at that site in a long time. We used to do it almost every day, you know, during the 2020 election. Right now, Trump is the leader at 33%. I believe that. Last time I checked. The the thing that concerns me the most is a uh, primary involving Trump is that Trump takes no prisoners. And I think DeSantis is, is so has such a good tailwind right now, mm-hmm. I would not want him as somebody who's much, much younger to get completely destroyed forever. Oh, I'm with you By there, Donald man. Trump. And Donald Trump's probably there. the only guy who could do that. Yes. I mean, when I'm talking to you know a lot of different people, and I'm talking about people that love Trump, yeah, have told me, honestly, I would love to see him be a kingmaker. And let DeSantis have this now. Me and, too. And there are other people yeah. that will say, no, you need a guy like Trump. No. You need him. I just um, want the new blood. And I, I listen, a potted plant is within the margin of error of beating Joe Biden. I would think so. I mean, gee whiz. This is the Mark Levan Camp and Robin Show. One other thing that I mentioned that we had to get to. Did you know right now, according to Pew Research, Joe Biden is not America's most popular world leader. You know who it is? I, can oh, I guess? I was going to guess Zelensky. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. And it goes both ways on that. A lot of times within your own party, it'll be, oh, my favorite world leader is the guy we elected president. Not so much when you're talking about Democrats. Everyone is disappointed in Biden right now. I don't think we should be surprised by that after seeing the polls. Something we got to get to, a church giving up whiteness for Lent. That's not a joke. Straight ahead right here.
The Markley Van Camp and Robert Show. I'm Jeremy Markley, Gen Xer, Millennial, David Van Camp, the wise, sexy boomer, as he's called, Scott Robbins. Well, you got a third of it, right? Boomer. Boomer. What did Chuck Schumer say, David? Oh, uh, well, Joe Biden hasn't gone far enough when it comes to student loan debt. Because, well, Joe Biden has announced that, uh, what, if you have student loan debt on federally backed loans, you don't, well, you don't, you don't have to pay that until, what, the end of August? They just keep kicking this can down the road. And Senate Majority Leader, the top Democrat in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, is saying that is not aggressive enough. Oh my God. Students are suffering under a huge amount of debt, and to extend the moratorium is a good thing. But of course, I believe the president. Students are? They're students. They have to start paying on it immediately? I know some of those loans, maybe. You wouldn't go about it that way. Are you talking about people that have graduated and right. gone on, or yeah. they quit? Okay. But, of course, I believe the president should go further and forgive $50,000 in student loans permanently. It's a huge burden on so many people. College should be a ladder up. It's all too often with student debt is an anchor down. Uh, Whose fault is that, Chuck? Yeah. I mean, Congress has a history of lifting limits on how much money can be loaned to people for college. Mm-hmm. Most of that debt, at least the highest number uh, as far as the amount of outstanding debt, are graduate students or people who have graduated from, you know, passed their bachelor's degree. No, pay your bill. You signed up for that. Yep. I just talked to some high school students early this morning. to asked to do that. For what? Career day. Oh, boy. What do you mean, oh boy? I'm just, it's good. Good for you. Oh, I'm just honest. I know. I believe it, you. It depends on different businesses you want to go into. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you're going to go thousands of dollars in debt, think about that. It's not worth it. And I forget the last stat. It was somewhere around 70%. Whatever you graduate a degree in, with a degree in, chances are you're not going to work in that field. Much more than 50%, chances are, within 10 years, you're not going to work in that field. So you got to be able to adapt. It helps to have, you know, many different skill sets. So it's just not the way it used to be in that. And it has to make financial sense. You know, I understand there are a lot of colleges that are setting up on career day to talk to kids about getting into this school and doing whatever, and that's fine. You know, I'm there just to be honest. And, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Listen, you knew this for a long time ago. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. We got too much stuff to get to. They had a college class. This was years ago now. They came to the radio station and wanted to interview people about getting into the business. And this was a four year school, in my opinion, pretty expensive. And you'd see student after student after student coming out of there. They wanted to get into either radio or TV, and they were just not very good. And I understand a lot of people, when they start out, it takes a while. But they were expecting full-time jobs because they had this degree. And you're trying to tell them that degree doesn't mean anything. You're not any good. It's something you have to work on for a long time. And I mean, and you could do this for a long time, like me, and still be pretty hacky. You know? You have to find a couple of people that know what they're doing and team with them. 
You're a total right pro in every way. What are you saying? Shut up. Come on. But that's the reality of it. They never came back to our radio station. So I'm like, you're wasting your money, seriously. If if all you want to do is do radio and you're spending $100,000, you're wasting your money. You'd be better off getting a job at a radio station learning from people that know what they're doing. Yeah, they never came back. <laughs> so are you going to tell me that's not the truth? No, of course it's the truth. I get it. I understand. I yeah, do. But, the, but you're interrupting the scam, all right? So. Okay. Sorry. I didn't go to a four-year school. I'm happy I didn't. Okay. Got to move on. Oh, Biden. This whole thing, man. What's going on with this? There's something different this time with the Hunter Biden laptop, with CBS and other legacy outlets reporting on this, talking about Hunter Biden and James Biden, Joe's brother, and all these deals, all these transactions from overseas, possibly tied to Joe. Between Hunter and James, they had 150 plus transactions involving global business. And that was flagged as concerning by U.S. banks. Yeah, because they're doing business deals with people who are uh, known by U.S. officials to be corrupt. And, you know, so that's automatically questionable, you know, when you're doing when you're doing these sort of business deals that his brother and his son, his crackhead screw up son, Hunter, were doing around the world. Well, and there's the one story you talked about it a little bit earlier, David, talking about uh, the letter of recommendation that Joe had signed for uh, Hunter's business associate in China, that dude's son. Yeah. And Jin Psaki, the White House press secretary, was saying, well, he wasn't in office at the time. Yeah, he wasn't president, so it doesn't matter. Right. Well, you know, the bank stuff, these business records, that dates back to 2014. Okay. So I wonder if the media is going to take the one story. Well, Joe wasn't president then. No, this is when Hunter Biden got in with Burisma in Ukraine, 2014, when Joe was overseeing relations with Ukraine. It's coming out. Yeah. There's going to be trouble. But what's the play? That's what I'm not sure. You got to think it's either it's either a play to try to maintain or build back some level of credibility on the part of the media now now that they're suddenly starting to pay attention to this story, it's got to be that or somebody is leaking it out because they know that everything that Joe has touched has crumbled. It's just not working out. The guy's deteriorating before our very eyes every time he goes out and speaks in public, can barely get three words together success, uh, successfully, ironically, as I stumble on that sentence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my cartoon balloon. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, but... Look, I, you do wonder if there aren't some powers that be who are saying, all right, well, we can't really weekend at Bernie's this guy all the way through the midterms and certainly not to 2024. Something's up. We'll wait and see. Is he his sister's writing a book now? She's cashing in, too. Yeah, the whole damn family. Yes. Jeez. People had talked about this for a while. Russian disinformation. Yes. Golly. Oh, did anybody hear about First United Church in Chicago? I, I got to hear about this. Fast going on during Lent season. Yep. You got to give things up. Uh, they're they're fasting from whiteness. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. How do uh, you do that? 
How do you do it? Yeah. Okay, I was going to play a separate piece of audio. Stop going to Rush concerts. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to play? There, there's a little audio of the lady that's sort of leading the charge here in front of the church. Okay, and she's going to explain it. Uh, it takes a little bit, but that's probably the best way to go about this. Lent is a time of preparation as we approach the mystery of Easter. And Lent is a time when we... Okay, David, you had the same reaction I did. I didn't want to get too into theology on this. Well, I mean, I. what's the mystery of Easter? Uh, you're a Christian church, right? Maybe. It goes again. I mean, I must alert. Maybe they're talking about the Easter egg hunt. <laughs> That's a mystery. Because that could be a mystery. You don't know where all the eggs are. That's true. But a lot of these woke churches, this is what you're getting these days. Reprioritize. Uh-huh. And think about what is most important. Like Jesus? It's a time when traditionally Christians choose a fast. By the way, microphone problems. You know, this plays out like a Saturday Night Live skit <laughs> in a way. Because you can tell that church has been there for a while, mm-hmm. still got the robes, and trying to be tradition, yet still woke. Not old buddy, Duddy. We got our own way of thinking. You may have fasted from some things in your life. Perhaps you have taken up a Lenten fast from chocolate. <laughs> okay, she goes these different things that maybe you've taken up mm-hmm. fast, right? The fast that we are choosing yeah. this year at First United may not be one that you have chosen before. Well, you're right about that. It may seem like a strange kind of fast. Just say it. We are fasting from whiteness. Now, I cannot take off the color of my skin. I cannot. And the mic goes out. It's almost like. (laughs) That was godly right there. (laughs) As I watch this, I wanted to do a little. Turn off the mic. Turn off the mic. (laughs) (laughs) I was just cracking up, man. So what they're going to do, no music from Whitey. None. Uh, okay. If you're a white composer, we're not playing it. We're, we're going to eliminate white voices through Lent. Okay? So, the, so they're proud to, proud to announce that every church official is going to be wearing blackface for all of Lent. <laughs> well, I can't do anything about my white skin. You know, but this is about unity here, right? Wow. So okay. this was covered on... Fox. I saw the story yesterday, and then I was watching this morning. Lawrence Jones has a reverend on, Eugene Rivers. So you have two black men talking about this, you know, act of white people at church saying we're giving up whiteness for Lent. Okay. Throughout the season of Lent, we are. Oh, this is another dude from the church that was explaining it to the congregation. Throughout the season of Lent, we are continuing our spiritual practice that we are calling (laughs) fasting from whiteness. That's a spiritual practice. Yes. Uh, none that I've ever heard of. Man, they are, no. they're worshiping a, not the God of Abraham. I'll just say that. No. I mean, it's like Christianity without Christ. Anyway, here's how they handled it on Fox, because I like this conversation. Now, Reverend, um, I'm all for fasting and praying, but it seems <laughs> like the, they miss scripture with this move, right? Yeah. Oh, brother, let me tell you something. Listen, look, to to racialize 
the most high holy season in the Christian calendar, as I said, is a case of at best wokeness gone mad. <laughs> if these misguided white liberals want to do something, they need to challenge the theft and misuse of tens of millions of dollars by the Black Life Matters organization. If you want to engage in some kind of penitent activity, right, that focuses on justice, stop playing the race card. It is ridiculous to do that when we should be celebrating as Christians, right? Uh, this season where we honor, celebrate, and recognize uh, our Lord's sacrifice as Christians. Well said, man. So I would just like for, like, Lawrence and Reverend Rivers there to take the whiteys aside and just say, hey, listen, can we have a conversation? You're all about the conversation, right? Can we talk about Scripture? Can we talk about theology, please? Well, no. Well, they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't let them in the door because the thing is about woke white people like that, they are the biggest freaking racists out there. Yes, yeah, so you'll have one of two things. Like, they'll act scared because they don't know how to act. Or they'll go over the top. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, where's the red carpet? Roll it out. We no. have black people here. Here's the thing, though. If there are no cameras there, they just call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep. Sanity out there. Okay. Uh, UFO sightings. David, you're always on the UFO well, stories. What's well, up? I'm just telling you, there's a uh, document or a series of documents that have been released from a 2010 report from the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, a program funded by the Pentagon, the Department of Defense here in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, and they claim that Americans who encountered UFOs had suffered radiation burns, brain and nervous system damage, and even pregnancy. Wow. Pregnancy? Yeah. They've got a database which listed the biological effects of UFO sightings on humans and their frequency, uh, and this includes bizarre occurrences like apparent abduction, unaccounted for pregnancy, sexual encounters, uh, perceived teleportation. And they said classified information exists that is highly pertinent to this subject, and only a small part of the classified literature has been released. So Jeez, this is fascinating. This is the kind of news I've been waiting for for a I'm long time. I'm just saying, man, the Pentagon is like, yeah, by the way, we've got a whole lot of stuff about uh, the aliens knocking up our women. So are there alien babies amongst us? Well, yeah, that's why Jamie mocks the subject all the time, because we're about to blow his cover. I, I believe it, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, every dork that was told by their girl... I don't know how I got pregnant. I think it was an alien. Really? I believe her. I think she's telling the truth. Jeez. <laughs> she wouldn't have sex with anybody else. Be what, careful, what man. Would, Will what Smith's would make her stray for somebody like me? Will Smith's about to come into the studio and slap you, dude. <laughs> Bring it, Will. I saw you in Ali. Okay. <laughs> NBC News. Broke a federal gun law. Next. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. How did this happen, David? A reporter from NBC breaks federal gun laws. 
Yeah, this is hilarious. So back in March, NBC News did a report about ghost guns. These are unfinished products. They don't have a, a serial number. You buy a kit, you put it together yourself, and so you don't have to do the background check stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And NBC News was trying to make the case that the laws are too loose in this country, right? we got to ban it. Well, now some gun rights groups want the ATF to investigate them because it does appear the NBC reporter, Von Hilliard, broke federal gun laws. Essentially, he bought this kid outside of his, his home state of New York. He bought it in Pennsylvania. He handed the kit over to a third party who was working for the Pennsylvania's uh, attorney general's office, hands them over to a third party. They finish the gun and hand it back to him. Now, that's an illegal transfer there. Uh-oh. So, so that's the question right now. So there are gun rights groups who are saying, hey, ATF, you got to investigate this, right? If you want to crack down on this kind of stuff, nobody's above the law, right? That's right. Absolutely. That makes sense. ATF's you know, not going to do anything. Of course not. I saw an update on the mass shooting in Sacramento. Because early on, we're talking about guns and the governor in California. Guns, we got to do something about the guns. And then, of course, it comes out. Uh, that was a gunfight among gang rivals. Right? Okay. What causes more death? Illegal guns or gangs? Maybe hmm. a combination. Don't we need common sense gang law? Yeah. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Van Camp and Robin Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, there is a lot to get to. Uh, let's start with Texas. Yeah. We're going to have beyond a crisis because not only people flooding through, we have a warning now from the DEA to police across the country, watch out. We're going to have fentanyl overdoses all over the place. Yeah, they're worried about mass fentanyl overdose events and deaths which is where three people in one setting overdose on fentanyl at a time. It's happened several times. I mean, there have been well-publicized cases in places like Austin, uh, even reaching into the Midwest in Nebraska. I mean, it's, it, it is just a nationwide problem when you look at it. People under the age of 49, more people died from fentanyl overdoses or drug overdoses in general than died from COVID. Yeah. And we dropped everything because of COVID. Of course. But, but we're this, not. Ah, forget about that. And now you've got this Democratic representative out of Texas. Uh, she's out of El Paso, Veronica Escobar. Oh, yeah. Saying on MSNBC, you know what? We shouldn't even worry about using law enforcement at our nation's border. They're actually saying it out loud. You know, they think it. Now they're actually saying it. Wow. I have proposed and have been working with Secretary Mayorkas on reforming the way we process asylum seekers at the southern border. You already just let them in. What are you talking about? We should not be utilizing law enforcement to um, essentially manage or oversee or process vulnerable populations. Um, we should... Sub- vulnerable? 
Okay. Do you know what law enforcement does? Do you know what they do by definition? Enforce, Enforce the, law. the freaking law. Do you know what's going on at the border? They're breaking the law. Here's the other part, yeah, what, what is going on here? We're speaking a completely different language. Overseer process vulnerable populations. Vulnerable populations. It's just Do you see the buses? Do you see them? Yes. Are you seeing a bunch of families? No, I'm seeing a bunch of single dudes. Right. Okay, go ahead. Um, we should civilianize that personnel and get law enforcement back to what they were trained to do. Thankfully, the secretary has been very open to my ideas. I think it will um, really be a watershed moment for us on the border if we're able to successfully make this work so that we restore dignity to the process, restore dignity to migrants and to federal personnel. Been talking about it since I was a little kid, and I'm sure you've heard this. The only way the United States goes down in flames as if it destructs from the inside. People are attempting it. It's happening. That's insanity. What? It's defund the police, but with national security. Yeah. That's what it is. Because what, what, what is it that the defund the police movement wanted to do? You replace cops with sweater-vested therapists and whatnot. No. No. Full stop. No, you cannot do that. No. It's about chaos in the end that's what they want they want to dismantle the entire thing that's just another example of it i mean that's absolute nonsense and wow i know we got a lot to get to in this segment so let's just move on to the next is this schumer now yeah chuck schumer the top democrat in the senate okay gave an emotional speech they're all emotional. About the upcoming confirmation of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, who, I mean, it seems like it's pretty much a done deal. She will be the next uh, Supreme Court justice to replace uh, Stephen Breyer, who's retiring at the end of the term. So, okay. But the way that Chuck Schumer, as he's giving this speech, invokes COVID into this. What? Or puts COVID into this is kind of jaw-dropping to me. Okay. All right. COVID into this. You know, it's been a dark two years with COVID. People getting sick and dying, many of whom we knew. Stores closing, schools shutting their doors. Thanks to you, yes. But even in the darkest times, there are bright lights. Today is one of the brightest lights. And let us hope it's a metaphor, an indication of many more bright lights to come. And that bright light is Kanji Brown-Jackson. Yes. So it's okay. I mean, when you're talking about the historic nature of this, and by the way, it's official. She has been confirmed uh, to the United States Supreme Court. Um, when when you talk about how it's historic because uh, she is a black woman, okay? Mm-hmm. And certainly that is a historic moment. But when he when he starts off this statement saying how hard COVID was because you locked down schools, you locked down businesses. Yeah. Black women all over America have had their lives destroyed because of leftist policies, whether it's COVID, whether it's the riots that went on for months in 2020. When you drill down on the demographics, the single most harmed demographic was black women and that was because of democrats 
And this guy's trying to tell everybody, hey, that's okay because now we have a black woman on the Supreme Court. That's shameless. Yes, I've heard many different black conservatives say this is this is the playbook from the left. See, we'll we'll get something done like this that won't affect your life at all. It's not going to improve your life at all. It's not going to clean up your neighborhood. It's not going to get, you know, gangs from shooting each other in your neighborhood. But here's something you can celebrate. Now go back to your life and let us go to our gated communities. We're the ruling elite. Yes. When I hear it, all I hear is, okay, I don't care if it's man or woman. I don't care if the person is black, Hispanic, white, Asian American. All I know is we're at a place that I never thought we'd be. We have someone that just got put on the Supreme Court that can't define what a woman is. Can you imagine that 10 years ago? Five years ago. Oh, really? Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? That's a real stumper. Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. What? You can't? Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. Okay. Not a biologist. So, but we can say that this is a black woman because she said she knows she is a woman. Yeah. But she can't define what a woman is. Well, see, Chuck Schumer, actually, I don't know if you knew this, he took a speed course on biology, and now he knows. Oh, got it. Now he knows. Good job. And how are you even allowed to say the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court? Yeah, it seems like you might be. You might have to say person. Maybe. You know, you mentioned how crazy it is that you have a Supreme Court justice who can't tell you what a woman is. Mm-hmm. And I saw this making the rounds. Myth Informed Mike does a podcast, and he's got a popular Twitter account. And he brought this back. It's from November of 2019. Dennis Prager, conservative commentator. Yeah, he's brilliant. Was on Bill Maher, uh, on Bill Maher's show, surrounded by liberals. I mean, I think Ronan Farrow was there at the table. I mean, you have, like, the agenda setters for mainstream liberals on that panel. And Dennis Prager was talking about the woke movement less than, what, three years ago? Just under three years ago. Yes. And when he brought up the trans debate, he was mocked for saying that this is what liberals believe, that, like, well, his example was men can menstruate. And they all laugh at him like, that's not going to happen. That's not a real thing. This is 2019, November of 2019. We could all enjoy this together. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard this. Greece. To say that men can menstruate is a lie, and that is now, that is what is said. Check it out, folks. Check it out. Anyone who says a man cannot menstruate is considered transphobic. I missed this whole story. Are you Tell me where, so where, where are you getting it. this? Just Google it. Can men menstruate? Who, who is saying this? You're who talking is saying about a very small no, percentage. Oh, really? Then how do you allow men, biological men, to run against women in, in the races in Connecticut? Okay, They're women. Okay, but I would agree with you on that. The way you framed it is nonsense. Well, no, I framed oh it my perfectly. Gosh, man. We still got 30 seconds to go. Isn't it just a work of art, man? Because this is, man. again, not even fully three years ago. And you're talking about some of the biggest known liberals on this panel and the audience laughing 
at him bringing up something that was actually happening at the time. And now our own government officials say is indisputable fact that men can have periods. Yes. As a woman or any menstruating person in yes. this country. That clip's like a year old. And this again from November 2019. Back to it. Oh, I framed it perfectly accurately. No, 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 you didn't. This is a far cry from saying men can menstruate. I agree. But I that's agree. not where anyone yes. went with oh, that, that but you. True. Okay. At the University of Berkeley men's room, tampons are given out. Check it out. Cal- UC Berkeley men's rooms have... To- oh, the laughter at him. Yeah. Like this guy is off oh, yeah. his rocker. Yeah, he's a nut. He's a nut conservative. Tampon dispenser. Would you, would you say that's that probably because that men are whipped and their girlfriend uh, said, go get me a tampon. <laughs> okay, that's a funny line. That's a much more logical. Okay. Okay, all right. Moving on to the next. Dennis, I remember you in the old show. You were a little more reasonable. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, Bill. You better bring that one back, buddy. Chew on that. That doesn't age. No, it doesn't. Don't you all get the feeling, though, that we're starting to turn the corner? Yes. Enough people are waking up going, this is freaking insanity. You're seeing it everywhere. Yes, you are. I think the activist class has pushed too far. And then when you start coming after their kids, people are going to push back. Absolutely. Yeah, I heard uh, a school coordinator insist that kindergartners should be learning about LGBTQ issues. It's like madness, like complete insanity. We'll we'll get to that. Man, that was a great find, David. The old Prager audio, that's very good. Love it. Okay, and remember, it's racist to ask about BLM's finances. Okay, that coming up too right here. do this the markley van camp and robin show jamie markley david van camp scott robbins know this okay this hateful florida law can't talk about transgender or sex issues with kindergarten through third graders okay no one even does that (laughs) right the blm argument no no one even does that so why why do you care so much about it why do you care so much about the man Right. Exactly. Well, there's some uh, video making the rounds, and that is a school coordinator in Kansas. Um, He is the coordinator of equity, inclusion, and diversity. Really? Talking about it's important to talk to the kids, especially kindergarten, about these issues. I won't even tell you what he said. I'll let you hear it for yourself, and you can react as we go. Ready when they've been exposed to information, they're ready to learn about it, whether you think they are or not. And the research says that there is no age too young to talk about pretty much anything. If they know about it, they're ready to learn about. It. Got it? No. If what they research know, is he talking about? Well, I love the fact if they know about it, they're ready to learn about it. How do they know about it? Right. 
He tells us how they know about it. You know, what we think is always age appropriate. It is if they don't know about it. If they haven't been exposed to it, then, yeah, you can give them time to develop. See how he runs in a circle there? It makes no sense. I don't understand that. If you're giving them time to develop, then you are saying that there is actually an age limit. Right. But he's saying, but they already know about these issues. Okay. Do you know how? Listen. But once they're exposed to it, and social media is going to do it, right? I know some kindergartners in this school with cell phones. Mine had a cell phone. Then you're a crappy and dad. And so they they get access to information. They can they can learn quickly. The world is teaching them faster than probably you are. We're not talking about letting your kid play a game on your phone. Your kid is looking up crap on social media. Yeah, don't call. And how them. do they read? Don't call them groomers, by the way. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> That's a pro grooming argument. They're already they're already yes. getting uh, this information. Yeah. We're just mm. going to help guide the ship a little bit. Yes, of course. How do we want to um, approach talking about LGBTQ plus? Because there's students as early as kindergarten who are identifying no. um, as uh, non gender conforming, uh, non binary. No, if Where'd you, they get that idea? Yeah, if you ever want to really light somebody's, you know, light light a leftist's brain on fire, just tell them the simple fact: there is no such thing as a trans five year old. I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying that there aren't parents who think their five year old is trans or non binary or whatever, but in reality, that doesn't exist. Nope, that thought has been implanted in them as yes. something that's desirable, as something that's why. That's why so many of the parents of, of these little kids that you see paraded around as if it's something that's like attainable or something that you should aspire to. They it's all a point look, of pride for these people. They all look like stage moms who are super excited about this. It's Munchausen's by proxy. Come on, man. Yeah. Two checks on the woke card. <laughs> but but this is why they need to talk to kindergartners about this. And so because they're in our school, they're in our classrooms then that becomes a responsibility on the adults to say, okay, um, I have a student who identifies this way, and so it's my responsibility to make sure the classroom invite, is inviting to, to them. Okay, that doesn't mean talk about it. Right. That, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean at all. You treat them like anybody else. Yeah. And listen to this argument. Freaking nonsensical. Uh, just like it is to someone who might be um, Asian, Laotian, um, Korean, um, African, um, no. whatever the identity is. No, that's not. That's not. No, no, no. One is a learned behavior. One is an inherent trait. Thank you. It's it's absolute madness. But it's not even being taught. There's no agenda. Gosh. Damn. Okay, groomer. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a groomer there, man. I'm sorry. Whatever you say, Groomer. Sounds good. Uh, relationship question. If you got a couple of people that are not exclusive, but they're dating, is it cheating to go on a date with somebody else? If you if you think it is, I guess it is. I don't. You got five seconds to answer, Robin. I would say, yeah, it's cheating. Wow. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Wow. We we could get more into that later. You're not saying we're exclusive. You've gone on a couple dates, but you can't go have a conversation or a cup of coffee with somebody else? I think after a couple of dates, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But Are you getting wishy-washy? Well, a little bit. I don't know anything about relations. Look at me. (laughs) (laughs) What are you asking me for?
Uh, 20,000 Americans polled. 48% said not cheating. No. 30% said, yeah, it's cheating. If you're dating other people, you need to be up front no matter what. Oh, I agree with that. See, that's the thing. Yeah, you got to let people know. Say it's the second date. You're still, you know, we've had a good time together. But, you know, I I said I'd have a cup of coffee with somebody else. I'm not saying one's right or the other. We'll see what happens, I guess. It's interesting. Go ahead. Knock yourself out there. You got your top three stories of the day. The trifecta, Scott Robbins. Next. The Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. David Van Camp's the millennial and the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. Trifecta in just a few. News update, David Van Camp. Well, the Senate has confirmed uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson as the first black woman on the Supreme Court. First Supreme Court justice that can't define what a woman is. Yeah, that's an interesting trick, isn't it? Yes. Hmm. And you're telling me... This is at the University of Chicago. It's like a media thing. They're having different yeah. people come in and talk to the students. So yeah. you got some big hitters. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the Atlantic is putting on a disinformation. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. They're putting on a uh, – it's a it's an event at the University of Chicago uh, saying, how can, how can we fight disinformation in the digital age? And some of the biggest purveyors of disinformation are featured uh, on on this panel. So uh, Brian Stelter from CNN, the potato guy, uh, yes. he was on there. And a student from the University of Chicago, a freshman, asked him, basically, have you guys thrown out all journalistic ethics in order to be mouthpieces for the current regime? And then it gets more biting than that. Wow. Okay. Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? It's too bad. It's time for lunch. <laughs> you have 30 seconds. No, I mean, there's a, there's a clock that says 30 seconds. But, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. No. Okay, I'll just let it play. I'll let it play. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this in defense of Brian Stelter. I don't know if it's really in defense of, but um, it is pretty remarkable how uh, good he is at being a propagandist. I suppose, yeah. Because he says I mean, that without breaking out a sweat, and that dude breaks out in a sweat just like standing up off a chair. So much like you could say, hey, I'm not down with the bank robber, but the way he goes about his craft, he's a pro. Right, exactly, yeah. I got you. No one got hurt. No one got hot. You know, his in and out. Yeah. Well, the freshman kid there, I got to tell you, is speaking more truth to power than most people. Dude. In the country. I thought exactly the same thing. What stones that kid has. Good. Good for him. All right, we'll pick it back up. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy, all these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. Uh, But 
when Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question about sharing those kinds of connections and trust. He didn't ask that at all. Nope. No, I, I don't really Are know. Are you trying to get the gig as the next White House <laughs> press secretary? You're not addressing what the dude said. We don't talk about it enough, though. We don't share that reality about how that happens. And with regards to the regime, I think you mean the President Biden? The last time I spoke with a Biden aide, we yelled at each other. So that's the reality of the news business that people don't see, that people don't hear. They imagine that it's a, a situation that simply is not. But I think your question, it speaks to the failure of journalism to show our work and show the reality of how our profession operates. We just haven't shown you how great we are. And that's when the tears came. <laughs> Lying wuss. If you had two words to describe that guy, I'm trying to think of any two that would be better. Oh, it's beta male. Beta male. No, it's tater tot, obviously. Yeah. But I know tater tots that don't lie. <laughs> That's just it. Put a little ketchup on it. It's pretty tasty. <laughs> All right. You ready for your top three well, stories of roll. the day? All right. Let's do this then. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Do it every day at this time. Scott Robbins' top three stories of the day. Helped by his top 40 hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Hey, Casey. Are you mocking? I love Casey. Scott. I'm a fan. He knows that. He knows that. I'm ready. Three. Uh, an historic win in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The county executive position has gone to a Republican, according to the Associated Press, for the first time ever, Scott. Yeah, um, and I like this story, and I know we touched on it yesterday a little bit, but in Kenosha County. Now, Kenosha, Wisconsin is famous for what? The riots yeah, that were taking Blake. place. Yeah. Samantha Kirkman is the woman's name who, who won this position. She is a Republican. Uh, Democrats, of course, have dominated that section of the country for decades. Everybody knew that, right? Mm -hmm. Is this another indication of a red wave? I mean, I realize it's small in considering everything else, but what she ran on is what I'm seeing a lot of Republican challengers running on this year, and that is safety, crime. Crime has become like the number one thing. Yeah, especially and, there. And you can't run away from it. These Democrats cannot run away from this. They were endorsing it while it was going on. And we've got the file footage to prove it. So she won. Conservative candidates also picked up school board seats in, in uh, Waukesha, Wausau, and Kenosha. Would have gone woke, sort of like what we saw in Virginia. Yes. Yes. So I, I bring this story to light today because, number one, it's one of my favorites. But number two... In the midst of all this muck and mire and garbage yes. that we're seeing out of this administration and out of the nut jobs on the far left, the progressives, mm-hmm. there's some sanity that's coming back to the electorate. So bringing some good news. Well, they're tired of their yeah. towns being burnt down and crime ridden. Yes. And a bunch of DAs bought and paid for by George Soros, and you just, you know, they're done with it. Yeah, a lot of people didn't expect that to happen no. there. Yeah. It was a real steal. What? Yeah, some people would say that. Yeah, you're We're stupid. getting closer and closer to number one. You're stupid if you're not running. If you're running your campaign, uh, and you're not including that as part of your message. Yeah. 
two. Uh, number two, uh, didn't expect this guy to come up. Mr. T talks about yeah, the no. COVID vaccine. Uh, Mr. T. Yes, he B.A. Baracus from the A-team yeah. put out a tweet yesterday announcing, hey, guys, I've received the second Moderna COVID-19 vaccine booster shot. He said, I feel good. I'm still going to wear my mask. I'm going to keep my distance because this virus ain't over. Fool. Urgh. That was me imitating him. It was really close. I paid the fool. Yeah. Uh, so Very um, close. I just have to say this about that. Okay. I'm disappointed in Mr. T for that, number one. Is that why you're bringing this story and it's number well, two? Well, when your badass childhood hero yeah. is talking about mask wearing and social distancing and the vaccinated virtue signaler, it disappoints me. You I think really word will get to him because I think, aren't, don't you know each other? Did you meet him one time? Yeah, T and I, yeah, we go back. Okay. I paid the fool. Right. I'd watch it if I were you. I don't, I don't I'm not. A, I'm not afraid of him because he can't give me COVID now because he's vaccinated. I'm honestly going to ask, who's Mr. T? See, here we go. Please. You, that's a lie, David. You know who Mr. T is. You said something it's, about A-team. What is that? See. My guess is, as a millennial, David, you might know him from Rocky Three, and is that about it? I've never seen a Rocky movie all the way through. Wow. Are you going to recommend one, Scott? For me, my favorite is I loved Rocky Three. I loved Rocky One a lot. I thought it was kind of boring. So you didn't watch it all the way through? No, you watched I didn't a good watch it part of it. I watched about half of it and I walked away. If Rocky would have, let's say, uh, fought the Flash or Aquaman, would that have piqued your interest? No, Uh-oh. not Aquaman. Okay. I mean, maybe right. Iron Man. Yeah. Okay. Then it would have been entertaining and a good soundtrack. Oh, my gosh. Here we go, man. Wow, man. By the way, I don't know if you want a Robert Downey Jr. story <laughs> I, today. I do. You do okay. I'll I'll get you one as soon as we wrap up with the trifecta. Okay, it's your top three stories we do one every more. day at this time. Yes, um, I think Casey's ready again. Yes. Now on oh, with the countdown. Thank you. Yeah, it was yes. wild. One. Okay. Uh, David Hogg, the kid who made himself famous and got himself into Harvard by exploiting the murder of his classmates, has thoughts on gun control again. Yes, he does. David Hogg says, "Here's what we need. We need to regulate guns, not gay kids." You heard him. Okay, I give. Is Who's anybody it? regulating gay kids? That's my question. I don't. I don't know. Hmm. Or that buying buying a gun does not make you a man. It makes you a consumer, a cog in the system, one of millions having their insecurities weaponized for profit. You are being manipulated by marketing agencies because you are weak. Masculinity cannot be purchased. It can only be practiced. Said the symbol of masculinity, <laughs> David Hogg. Hey. When we were talking off air today about different gun stuff, David, I've heard this in different cities. You certainly have heard it in yours um, from people that work at at the gun shop and the gun club. Over the last couple of years, who's been buying the most guns? Oh, it's been overwhelmingly uh, black women. I mean, it's no uh, kidding. I, I just had this conversation a few days ago with a guy at the gun club I go to. Um, he's a retired cop. Great, great guy. And was telling me that he has never seen in the last, uh, really since the last year, year and a half, more young black women coming in, buying their first firearm, and then taking it seriously and taking a class, taking maybe maybe a private lesson, something like that, mm-hmm. to learn how it works. And he says that the story he keeps hearing over and over again is because uh, 
well, in, a, in an area where crime is running rampant, you know, many major cities are seeing that, the people who are most likely to be victimized are African-American women. You know, when yeah. you talk about carjacking, need to, so it's so, you know, he's telling me the story that he hears time and time again is I want to be able to defend myself if some creep comes up to me and tries to steal my car. Absolutely. It's like, and I can't remember his name right now, is the dude in Detroit that has taught so many women, Yeah, you know, how to safely protect themselves with a firearm. And I would love to see David Hogg sit down and have a conversation with some of those folks. It would be it would be incredible. Oh, he's not going to do that. I dare him. He he won't debate. He never does. No. He shoots stuff out on Twitter and then runs. A lot of times, yes, that is true. I mean, that's that's what this guy does, and he keeps his name out there just enough. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, he's like the the big cheese in his little group that he runs with. Yeah. And there you have it. <laughs> but regulating gay kids, I don't even know where that came from. It's a left talking point about Florida. Ridiculous. Let's regulate gay kids. Does he want to um, buy gay kids? That's what my, I thought the same thing, yeah. You have the waiting period before you can buy one? Man. Doesn't make any sense. Taking the grooming to another level. I know, yes. like, dang. Jeez. Oh, my Robert Downey Jr. story. Yeah, Iron um, Man. It, yeah, he, he would like your diet to be environmentally friendly. He just co-wrote a book called Cool Food, Erasing Your Carbon Footprint One Bite at a Time. I'm afraid Robert Downey Jr. has become one of those people in Hollywood or a celebrity that thinks because we like to see them in Iron Man or other movies that we also care what they think about what we should eat or anything else. I feel like he's going to write a poem to Nancy Pelosi any day now. He said, our best global food future requires no hand-wringing, fad diets, or radical shame. Just a perspective shift to discover the many solutions in plain sight. The guy he co-authored the book with said, making a few different choices at the grocery store, trying something new on the restaurant menu, by keeping an eye out for foods that store more carbon in the ground rather than polluting the air. Got it? (laughs) No. Okay. Avengers are coming for you, man. All right. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah I guess he's taking that to another level. Gonna be looking out after what you eat. Fantastic. Okay. Got 10 rods of the news to get to and a news update in just a few. It's really been an honor for me. I'll see ya. Okay. Goodbye. Thank you. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins, news update, another one, David Van Camp. Well, Kamala Harris has weighed in on Ketanji Brown-Jackson being confirmed as the first African-American female on the Supreme Court. Um, She oversaw it as her role as the... uh, in her capacity as the president of the Senate, and as she was walking out, she was asked for some thoughts on it. And here is what you know, Kamala Harris, she knows how to put words together oh, no. to a oh, point boy. where you can read it left to right. And it's, it's basically poetry. Yes. 
you know. It's a gift. So here is one of the greatest orators of our time weighing in on this momentous occasion in our nation's history. You know, there's so much about what's happening in the world now that is presenting some of the worst of this moment and human behaviors. And then we have a moment like this that I think reminds us that there is still so much yet to accomplish and that we can accomplish. God. Wow. Yep. Jeez. Wait. So it's, well, it's never not forget, over. In the passage of time, we can have a lot of great things happen. Yeah. Right? And um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Right, and what they could be. And we're always going to be fighting for... Freedom! (laughs) (laughs) Of course! That's great. Thank you for sharing that today, David. It's inspirational yeah, it, to all. It is inspiring, yes. Right. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dean. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the News. Well, there's a dude in Alabama admitted to setting fire to a mobile home and then opened the front door and threw a roll of toilet paper that was on fire. He's been arrested. How crazy is that? Hmm. But the bigger story is a 38-year-old man named Robert Dugan. He broke into a diner outside Philly like 4.30 in the morning, stole an entire cheesecake. He also took off with half a prime rib roast, but he wasn't done. 90 minutes later, he showed up at an adult toy store about a mile away called Adult World and trashed the place. Now, he was shirtless by that point, <laughs> broke the sign out front with a baseball bat, and then started smashing the windows. And then he started taking the toys, flinging them around. He was finally arrested. Felony, burglary, other crimes, and that's Nimrods in the news. Those things can be a weapon. Yeah.